Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hey, everybody. The NBA and college basketball are back. The NFL and college football playoffs are right around the corner. Man, with all these sports going on, there are plenty of bets to lock in on. So, if you're thinking about picking the Lakers to repeat, my Lakers to repeat their NBA championship, or someone to upset Pat Mahomes and the Chiefs, man, you need to go to betonline.ag. From the game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than any place online. And there's always an online casino as well, because it never closes. So, Head to betonline.ag today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Again, that's betonline.ag. Sign up today. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. You are now listening to Believe in the ACC with my husband, Mr. Talking Noise, Lloyd Spence, and our brother, Heisman Trophy and Florida State legend, Charlie Ward. And now, Lloyd and Charlie. Go get them, fellas. Glad to be here with you tonight for another round of ACC Conversation. He had such a good time last week. He joined us again. Kendrick Hassan's in the building. What's up, fellas? And, of course, you know who this Heisman Trophy legend is. That's Charlie Ward. What's going on, Charlie Ward? Glad to be back in the mix. Thanks for allowing me to be back on the show. You are so silly. <laughs> Listen, we started this thing in 2020, and we go in 2020 together. That's All how right. it's going. You know, Mrs. Talking Noise sounds just like the lady on the Outcast album. <laughs> I'm, gonna tell, I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to tell her that. I, you know what? She does kind of sound like the lady. From the I didn't think about that. But that's a good point. That might, be, that might be why I married her. <laughs> that might be why I married her. That might be why I married her. Low key, I didn't think about that. Uh, man, we don't have a lot to talk about, but we got a lot to talk about. So it's one of those weird days. So, uh, we, you know, we like to theme our shows. It must be the preaching. The year of the do-over is in effect. People want a do-over. People are taking a do-over. People think we should do it over. <laughs> it's a crazy, crazy end to the year. And uh, I want to start with a story I think is going to be near and dear to Charlie's heart. Uh, I want to start with Dabo. Dabo says, in front of this game, I said what I said in relation to Ohio State. Right. I said they were 11th, and they are 11th to me. Well, first of all, why do you think is this, is this just a motivational tactic, the reason why he's doubling down like this? Uh, no. I mean, as we've come to know Coach Sweeney, um, when he believes in something, he's definitely going to, you know, continue to believe in it, which uh, is something I, I you, you should admire. And a coach, and I know as a player, um, that's what you should admire uh, in your coach. And to me, I don't think anything is wrong with it. Uh, you know, as he said, I watched the interview uh, that he did. Um, he said you can put any name in there. Uh, it just happened to be Ohio State. You know that has the situation where it's six and zero. Oh, everyone else is like ten and one you know, whatever the case may be. And so I just think it, it's made for TV since it's the two teams that's going to be playing. Right. I mean, it's caught a lot of uh, fire because the two teams will be playing and he hadn't backed down, um, which, you know, when you have a team like he has, it really doesn't matter. You know, even if they're playing Alabama, uh, he still believes that his team is going to come out and compete at a high level regardless of who they're playing. And he even said, you know, Ohio State is capable of winning, of beating them, and winning the national championship. So it's not like he's, you know, shot away from it. He's he, he just stating facts about where he feels Ohio State should be ranked according to how many games they play. It has nothing to do with their talent or their team. It's just okay. how many games they played, and that should not qualify them for at least the top four spots. 
Okay, I gotta ask before I get to kids. I gotta ask Charlie. Do you agree with him? I do agree uh, that they shouldn't be in the top four. Now I'm eleven. You know, I know he put some other teams in front of. I'm not sure about eleven, but I don't think they should be in the top four solely based based upon how many games they play, especially with the teams that are already in there, and all those teams at least play eleven games. Had to go and win their their champion the ACC championship on top of that, um, and they put themselves you know out there uh, playing games through COVID. Um, of course, Ohio State had to do the same thing with their six games, where they were playing with some not playing with some of their best players as well. Uh, they could have easily slipped up, but when you when you only have six games and everyone else is playing eleven, there's more room to be able to have slip slip ups. And they also avoided one of the best teams in the uh, Big Ten, which was Iowa. Um, and we didn't get a chance to see that game because they kind of canceled it, um, you know, to be able to get them prepared for, you know, the, the, the Big Ten championship. So I think, you know, they did an admirable job of making sure that Ohio State stayed clean um, and because they knew they were in the top four and they weren't going to move them out. What do you think, Kendrick? Charlie talking reckless today. I'm just glad we have a coach that's not giving us coaches speak. As you know, as a member of the media, we're glad to have someone that's just not saying the same old thing every single time. Davo's actually giving us something. Yeah. That, I mean, I and Davo, I, I do think Davo, there's something behind it with Davo. I, I, can, I, I do think he honestly feels that way, but at the same time, I do think he's he is poking the bear a little bit. He is sticking his chest out a little bit, but it's, when it's easy to do that when you have probably the best team in the country with you know them in Alabama because to me it just seems like it's Alabama and Clemson are up here. Then you really must the rest of the, the rest of the four you could have just thrown names in a hat and <laughs> to fill out that four. But I agree with Charlie. I don't think that Ohio State should have been in there with only playing six games when you have yeah, teams like about that. Yeah, I, when you have teams yeah. like Texas A&M and you have teams like Cincinnati and I mean even Florida even though Florida lost those two games Florida when Florida looks as good as I mean they took Alabama right down right down to the stretch so I mean I I just I, I see what Dabo's doing and I think Dabo there's more behind Dabo saying all that and so now you got now it's not put up or shut up cuz you know uh, Friday's getting go- gonna be here soon, and so we're we're gonna see on Friday. I mean, I I guess it's interesting to me because he's writing a check that his players have to cash, right? You know what I mean? <laughs> like, like I, he ain't got to get out there and defend that. They have to <laughs> get out there and defend that. And I'm not saying it's bad because if you believe, listen, if you're gonna bet on somebody, bet on the dude that's probably gonna win the Heisman, right? <laughs> right. So I get it. I just think, wow! I don't ever hear you talking reckless like this against Alabama. Well, he has gone at them as well. I, I don't. Yeah, he I, has. <laughs> I don't think he. Uh, I don't think he he sugarcoats or uh, plays favorites. Um, and when, like I said, when he believes in something, he he, he shares it. And um, as a player, uh, if if he didn't have a team that could compete. At a high level, uh, he would definitely be poking the bear in a sense. But when you have, when you have, you know, some good bullets in your your gun, going to the gunfight, yeah, uh, you don't mind, you know, standing up and sharing uh, what you think is the right thing, and you know, you're going to have a chance to win, uh, regardless of who you're playing. <laughs> well, it's the, definitely the complete opposite of Brian Kelly, because Brian Kelly is, a, is saying, ah, "We got nothing to prove." <laughs> we're good I mean we. I don't understand Brian Kelly I'm trying <laughs> I'm trying to understand his philosophies and thought processes but I do not get it why would you say you have nothing to prove because they're Notre Dame I mean it, it, <laughs> you know what's sad about what you just said Kendrick I totally understand that and so does everybody else because that's Simple, the simplistic nature of your statement makes total sense. Right. I mean, Notre Dame, if they weren't Notre Dame and got beat that bad in the 
conference championship game, they wouldn't be in wouldn't be in the Final Four either. It's just because they're Notre Dame. People are going to watch, and they know that. This is why they're, they're only going to be in the ACC for one year, and then they're going to go back to being independent, and NBC is going to keep giving them all the money in the world to stay stay that way. So, and when you're Notre Dame, you don't have you don't have to win. Notre Dame hasn't won a national championship since what Tim Brown. And so, and but so when you're Notre prove, Dame, you can do that. But nothing to prove. Here's the quote: "We're knocking at the door every year, playing really good teams and great opponents, and they're elite football team. I don't know why this narrative continues to pop up when we're always in the game. No, we haven't won a national championship. That's correct. And you know, if I'm not changing the record, but we are there every single year." Right. Now, <laughs> over to the wind column, though. Well, I mean, you know, until it's going to be very similar to Clemson until they can get over the hump. This narrative is going to continue to uh, follow them, and they're going to have to keep trying to prove themselves. I think he may be trying to psych his team up by saying they don't have, you know, anything to prove. Uh, but you know, history says you got something to prove because every year you get in these, you get in this type of environment, you end up getting beat down. Um, and you know the games aren't close. And hey. that's 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 a challenge within itself. Uh, but I do believe his statement is basically just trying to uh, pump his team up to say, you know, let's go out and play loose. There's no way you can tell me. <laughs> They're going to be close with Alabama. <laughs> What's the line? I don't even know what the line is on that game. I haven't game. seen the line yet. It can't be close. It can't be. I, I was thinking the same thing. It's got to be ridiculously in favor of Alabama. I, I would think it's probably 10 to 12, 15 points. It could be 15 points. Easy. But let's just say, I know we talked about Notre Dame not being in the Final Four, but if they weren't in the ACC and they beat Clemson, they would have been, what, 9-0 and or 10-0? Yeah. And they probably would have been number one. Yeah. And they wouldn't have had to play – they would have had to play in the ACC championship to get their own their loan loss. And so, you know, that's the reason why uh, they want to be independent. Um in a lot of ways as well, because if they're 10 and 0 uh, in, as an independent, then you know they're they're back in the conversation again, and they're back where they where they are now, and then we get the same, <laughs> get the same results every single time. <laughs> well, Lord, they fooled us, man. They did fool us, I, I, and and I'm I'm definitely you know I told Kendrick last week I took the bait. Again, I know better. I know better. And I took the bait again. But Kyron Williams running back in Notre Dame says it's motivating what he's doing. He says not everybody in the world believes in us and it's okay because we don't want anybody to believe in us besides us. And we're going to go out there on Friday and do what we do best. Being an underdog is nothing new to us, and we're going to keep proving the world to the world who we are. Yeah, the world knows who you are. That's the thing. <laughs> And if they had to piggyback off what Charlie said, I mean, if they had gone, if they were independent, gone ten and zero, and had beaten Clemson and didn't have to play them again, they would probably would have been number one, which meant they would have played the number four team in there, and maybe they win that game, which would have been Ohio State, possibly, probably. Yeah, so they probably wouldn't have beaten Ohio State either, and so if, if they did beat Ohio State, they were going to get stomped in the national championship game by either Alabama or Clemson again. And so <laughs> it's the same old story year in and year out with Notre Dame, and they will be right back there again and again and again as long as they're Notre Dame. That's a sad commentary. That is a sad <laughs> commentary from both you gentlemen. It's That's true. But I can't say it's wrong. Um, they, again, they got me. They got. I was starting to believe. I was too. They got me again, and then they got Notre me. Dame hasn't been Notre Dame since Charlie was at Florida State. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great point. Because you and Rocky came out about the same. No, Rocky came out before you. Rocky Ishmael. Yeah. Yeah, he's a few years before me. Yeah, and so was Rocky's year the year they won. It was Rocky's junior year, right? Him and Tim were together. I thought it was back with Tim Brown. 
<laughs> Tim Brown is he was he was back in I don't know he's way before us. Yeah, Tim was yeah. eighty something. Yeah. I think Rockets year was Rockets ninety one or ninety two year was I think the last year that they won. Yeah. Oh, okay. It was something ridiculous like that. It's been a long time. It's been yeah, a right. long time since they, they definitely fooled us. Um, I thought they had the defense to be able to hold up against some of the better uh, offenses. But the offense just <laughs> didn't hold up against, you know, the pressure, um, you know, that the better defenses put out there. And, you know, when you're playing big boy ball, you got to have answers. Um, run game, pass game, you got to make plays when you need to make plays. And you got to have dudes to get it done. And apparently, you know, right now they just don't have – those dudes to uh, be able to in the passing game, uh, you know, run game. I think they have it. Yeah. Wise, I'm not sure they have any separators, and that's key for you know when you start playing, you know, better de- defensive backs. Um, yeah. You gotta be able to separate. Mm-hmm. Uh, Notre Dame is good enough to Notre Dame is good enough to be good, but they're not elite. Yeah. They're not elite like the Ohio States and Clemson's and Notre Dame's of the world. Don't, don't tell them that. They believe they are. Oh, they believe they are. They I mean, believe they are. I deal with the Notre Dame of basketball here in the state of Kentucky, so I, I get it. Well, speaking of that, <laughs> speaking of that, the last time we were on this show with Charlie, uh, Kentucky had just lost to North Carolina. And you and I were last week, we're on this show, and we said, Louisville Kentucky game could be interesting. And it was. It was one of the worst games I've ever seen <laughs> in my life. <laughs> oh, it was hard. Charlie. And you weren't even there. I was there. It was <laughs> horrible. It was, I mean, it's by far, in my opinion, it's by far the worst that the rivalry has ever seen. Okay, so what, what made it what made it bad? Everything. There was not one bright spot in the game, in my opinion. They they shot, they both shot terribly. They both played terrible defense. It was it was more about which team is going to make the least amount of mistakes at mistakes at the end than it was about <laughs> than it was about great basketball play and and what and what made it even worse, Charlie, is that the end was actually kind of good. It was a rock fight. It was one of those games where it was <laughs> it was exciting because it was close. Right, but like midway through the second half, uh, Louisville had gotten up by like seven points, and it felt like if it felt like if Louisville would have gotten up by ten, they may have been able, they would have been able to pull away. But I think they were up seven with the ball, and their execution for the last probably about eight minutes of that game was awful. (laughs) The last field goal by either team was made in that game with like four minutes left in the game. (laughs) The rest was all free throws. (laughs) Kentucky had one guy, one guy that could beat you. And he was, I think he was Mix is his last name. Is it Mix? Uh, Mintz. Mintz. Okay. And he he just happened to be able to hit a a three-pointer if nobody was in his face. And his shoes were tied. The best players on the floor in that game was Mintz, who was a grad transfer from Rhode Island. Right. And Carlique Jones, who's a grad transfer from Radford. Yeah, everybody else was terrible. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, everybody else was terrible. Fill me in. Yes. Kentucky. What was their recruitment class this year? Top five. So where are those guys? I mean, they you know, were sometimes you can have a top five recruiting class and a recruit class is not that good. And Kentucky kind of falls victim to that. They have their biggest problem is they have guys who can't shoot that keep shooting. It's like uh, Terrence uh, Clark and um, BJ Boston are very good players, but Clark is dealing with some kind of injury. And in Boston, he's just struggled with his shot. Which, you know, I mean, that happens, especially your freshman year. You know, it happens. You struggle with your shot. But they keep shooting. And, I mean, there's – see, the two of them combined, I think there's something like 
10 for like 40-something three-pointers on the year. And they keep jacking him up. So, But, like, the thing with Boston, he's one of those sneaky scorers. As bad as they've been, he averages – I think he averages like 14 points a game. But And he had – I think he had like 11 in that game, which 11 doesn't sound like much, but when they only scored 59, <laughs> that was a lot of points. But Kentucky is – their offense has just been so bad all year. They've only scored more than 64 points once, and that was the first game of the season, the only game that they won – which was against a Moorhead State team that was way overmatched. Right. But the rest of their games, I mean, they haven't scored more than 64 points all year in a game except for that. And so here, here, Here's the most telling stats of the game. Kentucky shot 5 of 17 from the three-point land. Mintz had four of those. Yeah. By himself. Yeah. He was and four the, And the other one was uh, was made early in the game. That oh, was uh, – right. Ask you, by made by ask you the, who's yeah. the freshman, and then and if I think they made five. I think Louisville only made like five well, or six, which was the <laughs> they had one more three pointer, which was the difference in the game. But the dip, but the one thing though, if you watch, if you're watching that game with Kentucky though, they're they well one of their best players, a sophomore, Keon Brooks, he's been out all year. Mm. But Louisville, they've they've dealt with COVID. They had. They've they've got they got one of their players back. They still they've got two pro, pro, one starters. definite one definite starter and another probable starter who have been out all year. Right. So you can watch them in that game and still see a future for them once they get healthy. But with Kentucky, I mean, you just wonder. I mean, are they going to get it together? I mean, their best player other than Mintz, their best player was uh, Obi Toppin's little brother who was. Way down on the bench, he's a great. He's a transfer too, and he was way down on the bench on the team he came from. So, yeah, Charles, I don't know. Kentucky has a player by the name of Oliver Saar. He Olivier is, is Olivier. Okay, I just went. Yeah, with he came from Wake Forest. He was at Wake Forest last year. Seven footer. Oh yeah, I remember him in the transfer. Yeah, did not score. He had one point. He had a free throw. He had a free throw. Okay, I apologize. I, I apologize, Olivier. So, yeah, so Charlie, it, 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 so Charlie, this is what they did. They're down one, um, coming down the stretch. You know, last shot situation. Guess who they go to on the final shot? The guy who hasn't made a shot all game long. <laughs> well, actually, no, that's not, that's incorrect, Kendrick. The guy who hasn't made a shot in two games, <laughs> right? He has not in two games. A field, he has not hit a field goal in two games. He's a seven footer. Maybe he's proven himself in practice. They maybe he's he's shown them that he could make those shots in practice, so they have confidence that he's going to make those shots. I'm just speaking from a coach's perspective. Oh, you he's, so a, nice. he's a good player. Don't get don't get me wrong. He is a good player, and he has had his moments. He had the exact. It's so it's so. I feel bad for the kid because he had the exact same shot down by one at home against Notre Dame and missed that exact same shot. To win the game, so this one—I mean, this one went all the way down and, came, and popped back out. But still, yeah. I mean, that, this team I mean, is having a rough go of it. Kentucky's having a rough go of it. One and six—I mean, it's rough. It's really rough, and I—and that doesn't appear to be an end in sight. You think they're going to uh, eliminate their season? <laughs> <laughs> they, I, I don't think that they. I—I I don't know. I know that uh, uh, Calipari—he's been. He's been complaining about their schedule all year. He's saying he made their schedule too tough. But like then, like you go back and look at it, they play Louisville every year. So that's I mean that's just a schedule game. They play in that CBS Classic every year, and they play in some other classic. So it's like three of those games they play in every year. So right, you, you pick the schedule. Yeah, and so he so you can't complain about those three games, and so then. He's complaining about Richmond, Richmond, Georgia Tech, and Notre Dame, which none of those three schools are exactly uh, flying up the rankings right now. Yeah, <laughs> and so you can't complain about those games. Those are games when you're Kentucky and you have a top five recruiting class coming in every year. You're supposed to win those games. But yeah. they lost at home to Richmond. They lost at home to Notre Dame. And then they went on the road and lost at Louisville so that brings me to this. That brings me to this question. Seeing a season like this, and by the way, 
some of the there's some other one and done type schools that are not necessarily tearing it up right now either. Gonzaga's oh, the only team tearing it up right now. <laughs> Gonzaga's the only right, team. Right, the only one tearing it up right now is Gonzaga. So <laughs> is this the beginning of a shift in the one and done mantra? I don't. I really don't think so. Um, I, I do believe that um, you know kids are going to be kids. They're going to have the same influence. Uh, the kids who are going to be one and done, you're probably starting to see more guys leaving high school going to the G League um, and, you know, go, or going overseas possibly. Um, and you're still going to have your one and dones. Um, I think uh, what you may see is uh, some of the schools that have majored in the one and dones start to get, you know, go back to the old school uh, mentality that they had to help build their programs uh, a la Duke. Uh, you know, instead of trying to get the five-star kid, you know, get a solid player and develop it over the course of, you know, a couple of years and try to build it that way. Because I think what's happened is they've had so many guys leave and it's kind of left them in a uh, quadri of inexperience. And then some of those players haven't been able to develop. You know, some of the, the best players haven't been able to develop um, over the course of the course of those years, um, and also the bet, some of the better players have left you know, after one year. And so, when you have one, two guys leaving off of a twelve-man roster, and they're your best players, uh, at some point in time, there's going to be some attrition. I got to ask you what you're saying too. Is mm-hmm. like the one, the the one and dones are going. Not all just going to the same schools. They're not going to the Kentuckys, Dukes, North Carolinas, and Kansas. Right, they're spread everywhere. out more. Yeah. You're spread out. I mean, I mean, number one pick this year was out of Georgia. The number two pick was from Memphis. And so you're starting. To, I mean, I don't think Duke, Kansas, or Kentucky or Carolina had a back them think there's what one lottery pick out of all of them. It may not have been none. I think it was only like one or two from those schools in the whole first round of the NBA draft this year. So I think you're starting to see the talent spread out more, not all going going to one school. And like when you're when you have when you're doing like Kentucky's been doing, where they're rebuilding the roster every single year, you're, you're one of the things you're doing is rolling the dice. Like, yeah, you might have the number one recruiting class, but not all recruiting classes have an Anthony Davis. Not you know what I'm saying they don't don't have a Devin Booker in those drafts. So some in, in those classes. So sometimes. You're going to get a team like you have this year or like you had in 2013 when they went to the NIT. I mean, there was the Nerlens Noel team. He got hurt, but I mean, right. even when he was healthy, they were losing. And so it's one of those things where it's like you're rolling the dice every year when you're rebuilding the roster with freshmen every single year. Do you think the one-and-done experiment has worked overall? I think, I think to an extent – for the NBA, I can see why they like it because they get to they get to evaluate these kids in, in college and not evaluating them off of high school level right. competition. They get to evaluate them on the college level competition against other players who may end up being in the NBA. And um, for the college on the college end, I don't really think so. But on the NBA end, I think I think it kind of has for them. I don't see why they would get rid of the rule, to be honest. OK, Charlie, what do you think? Uh, you said a one and done experience. Yeah, has it worked overall? Because even with even with uh, Duke's most heralded one and done team, which I would argue, I guess that would probably have to be the Zion Williamson team. They didn't really get far. I mean, they didn't. They what they got the Sweet Sixteen, I think, and we're out. Yeah, yeah. So it as a whole, it just doesn't appear that it really, really works. It's only worked really one year. And it worked because there was a once-in-a-generation talent in Anthony Davis that was far, like, he was head and shoulders above, like, five generations of players. I mean, what are we talking about? Yeah, I mean, it's, a, it's definitely something that's um, not going to win your championships consistently. Um, and as we've seen, the teams that win championships are more you know, have more veterans on them. Um, and you can go from, you know, college to pro 
Um, and look at the teams that win championships. They don't have very many young players on their, you know, as their core, I should say. Um, they have them sprinkled in. Uh, but even, you know, with the teams that are going down the stretch, they normally go out and get veterans uh, to be able to fill that gap because they know uh, what you need uh, in order to, you know, win a championship. And that's, you know, experience. And by the way, that team, that Kentucky team that we're referencing, didn't have – it wasn't five freshmen. It was Andy Davis and Michael Kidd Gilchrist, and it had some other – Terrence Jones sprinkled in there. Terrence Jones, Deron yeah. Lamb. Yeah, uh, it had some experience on that team. So it wasn't just that Anthony Davis was on that team. So it, I I just don't think it has worked. It, it doesn't appear that it has worked well. It's a risky thing to do. It's, it's definitely tough. Yeah. Uh, you have more than one of those one and done, especially if they come in with that mentality, I should say, uh, that they're only going to be there for one semester or whatever, the one basketball year. Yeah. And, you know, when they have that mentality coming in, it, it's tough. Yeah. And it's tough to put put it aside, um, you know, and it takes some maturity to do that. And you're, you know, most of the times when you're 18, you're not going to be mature enough to be able to set it aside and say, I'm just going to focus on playing where I am when you have all these people in your ear um, saying, this is what you should be doing. You know, you're saying you're one and done um, and all these other things. And so I just think it's tough unless you have some, some veteran guys on the roster and you have one, uh, possibly two guys uh, that potentially could be, you know, one and done. Uh, but you got a bunch of those guys on your roster, uh, even if they think they're one and done players, and they even you know may come back you know uh, the next year. I know Kentucky and Duke they kind of had those type of players where they thought one was going to be a one and done guy, and he didn't have a good season or he didn't get a grade, and then he ended up coming back to improve his draft stock. Uh, and so you've had those type of situations, but you know even with that mentality-wise, they weren't able to overcome. Um, and I just think at this point, you know, they're thinking, how can we get back to plan for a national championship with, you know, just some veteran guys? Uh, of course, you want the talent, but you also don't want guys there for one year, you know, halfway in and halfway out um, the door. The good thing for Kentucky this year with this year's team is, I mean, B.J. Boston, he's most likely gone after this year and possibly Clark. But the rest of those young guys are, you know, stick around. They're two and three year guys, maybe maybe even four year guys that are that are in there. And so they don't have as many one and dones as usual. It's just that they had to completely turn their rock. I mean, they literally Keon Brooks. Who, who is out? I, th- I think he may. He's the only player coming that came back from last year's roster that has significant playing time. It may have been a couple of guys on the bench. I know Dante Allen, who's from, who's from the state of Kentucky, but he was out mostly. He didn't hardly play last year. But like of people who actually played, Keon Brooks is the only one, and he's out. And so you mix that in, and you know, and Cal has uh, talked about it, it's, and it, it sounds like an excuse, but I think there's a legitimacy to it. It's like with COVID, they can't he can't get the as much hands-on coaching with those kids, those those young players as he normally would because of all the protocols they have to go through. And so there's a lot of that going on too. And so it's it's just a rough year and like it's it's hard to have a team that young with everything going on in the world. It, it's amazing to see the contrast in those two programs in Louisville and Kentucky and how much that Louisville's model of build you as you go or grow is, is you know, for so many years in the state of Kentucky, it's worked against them. And now this year, it's like the best thing that could have ever happened to them because they have that nice mix and balance of the two things and you're, and you're seeing it show up, whereas Kentucky doesn't have that balance. But I want to transition a little bit. Um, had a shocker last week, last Friday. Uh, as we woke up for Christmas morning, uh, the Duke Blue Devil women 
went to the Christmas tree and found out that the season was over. <laughs> uh, three and one team shut it all the way down. Mm-hmm. What do y'all think about that? The Duke women shutting the season down. I mean, that's crazy. A power five program like that and, and you know, and, and a good team. Because, you know, it, it affected us here because that was supposed to be the Louisville women's next game. Yeah. And so now they're, they play the ACC just today announced that Louisville women will play North Carolina on Friday. Louisville women have not played a game in almost a month. <laughs> and they're the number two team in the country. And, and they already played Duke once, and they were supposed to play them again. And so to, in a Power 5 program in any sport that shuts the season down, not even halfway, before they even get to conference play or early on in conference play, I mean, that's that's crazy, and it's kind of scary at the same time. Yeah, it was just interesting. Uh, I mean, it was shocking, um, especially with all the protocols and t- the testing that they have, you know, for – uh, the student athletes and players and all those types of things. Um, it was definitely shocking, uh, but I definitely understand, uh, you know, how it, how they can come to that conclusion because it is a lot of hoops you have to jump through each and every day, each and every week just to play a game. And mm-hmm. I'm sure that can get very taxing. Yeah. Uh, if you've had some positive cases on your team um, and they haven't been able to recover uh, like you expected them to, then that could possibly have, you know, some effect on your decision as well. And so we don't really know why uh, it all happened. Of course, we outside looking in, uh, but I'm sure they made a, a decision that was based on, you know, information that they had um, and what was best for them moving forward. Now, it's tough for everyone else because you have to work around that uh, in ACC. But then again, this year is not is, is like no other year. Um, as we know, you know, people are getting extra years. Um, and so I'm sure they don't mind, you know, sitting it out. And they probably may have, you know, most of the, the ladies come back next year. Uh, a little bit more veteran experience. Mm-hmm. And they can go for it again. So I don't, I mean, I'm not knocking them. It was shocking. I'm definitely not knocking them for, you know, canceling the season. Well, it's got to be difficult when you have a first-year coach. Is this her first year? It's Carol Lawson. Carol Lawson, I was going to say. First, yeah. It's her first year as a head coach, and you walk in, and, you, I mean, that falls in your lap, too. So it's, and I would imagine it's a little bit difficult for her to navigate, and it's not a knock on her. It's your first coaching job, and you got to deal with all of that. I mean, I imagine it was pretty difficult for her just to have to deal with. Well, the, to, to, to that same point, you know, she is not the only person at Duke that's been complaining about this season. Mike Krzyzewski has been very vocal mm-hmm. about his feelings about this, saying, and I don't think we should be playing. He said, people are saying the next six weeks are going to be the worst. To me, it's already bad. On the other side, uh, there are these vaccines coming out. By the end of the month, 20 million vaccine shots will be given. But by the end of January, February, another 100 million. Should we not reassess and see just what would be best? So he's questioning the whole process himself, and that's a big voice. And that's one that that may be the biggest voice right now in college basketball that's vocally and openly questioning whether or not they should be playing at all. Uh, so I gotta ask you both this question: Is college basketball fooling itself right now? Is it is this a really just uh uh a, a, a pipe dream to think that this season really can be finished? Uh, we saw that the young man, God bless him, Keontae Johnson is back, but he's going to be back as a coach with Florida and a, and a scout, not as a player, and potentially not playing the rest of this season. Is college basketball fooling itself? You know, Rick Pitino, he's also spoke out, spoken out about it, too. He spoke out early on in the year. I, I've, I've, We talked about it last week. I, I'm still convinced that college basketball is going to end up having to shut down at some point. And I'm thinking probably in January, especially because, you know, the uh, numbers are going to spike after the holidays holidays. and after New Year's and all of that. So I'm kind of think I feel like they're going to shut down anyway. And I don't know if they're necessarily fooling themselves. I just think that 
that that almighty dollar <laughs> at the end of the oh, day is what it comes down to. That's why I'm like, there's no way in the world they're going to cancel the NCAA tournament two years in a row and miss out on all that money. And so, and I don't even necessarily count it as greed. I mean, eventually, I mean, bills have to be paid. It's more, you know, and so I don't think they're necessarily fooling themselves. I just think they're, they're fighting a very, an extremely tough fight. Yeah. I, I would agree with that. Um, I, I also think, you know, at the beginning of the football year, we didn't see possibly that going well. Also, great point. They were able to navigate their way through uh, to have, you know, somewhat of a season. Uh, some of the uh, conferences started late and they had to cancel and then get an opportunity to play uh, their, you know, their full schedule. Um, and we knew that was going to happen. Um, and But I do believe the same thing is going to happen in, in basketball where they'll navigate their way through and find a way at the end to uh, have some form of a bubble um, for their playoffs, I mean, for the uh, tournament and also for the championship. Tony, to that point, should that be the focal point at this point? Should it just be about let's just get through January, everybody go home, work on your game, and then let's set up bubble models for every conference, and then out of those bubble models, we'll take the top three to four teams, whatever that is, and then put together the tournament from that way. But you know, that's what I said from the get-go. Is that they should scrap the non-tournament, non-conference games, and just everybody go in their bubbles. You know, uh, the ACC have has their bubble in in Charlotte or in North Carolina. The SEC goes to Nashville. You know, and and so on and so so forth, and go from there. And and. I mean, because I mean, that's, I mean, these all these students, athletes are taking their classes online anyway. Right. So, so it, it, can, it can it can be navigated. It, it, that seems. I mean, I think with the uh, the argument against that is with the schools is you know a lot of these schools are still having fans at the games, so they're making a little bit of money. It's not much, but it is a little bit, and that's going to be the fight because it's only supposed to be three thousand people in the Yum Center when they play, but it will. I, you can't tell me there were only 3,000 people at that Kentucky game on Saturday. <laughs> so, I mean, it looked like a few more than 3,000. Oh, oh, it was definitely I'm more than 3,000. I mean, if you just looking in the suites, you could tell it was more than 3,000 people at that game. And so I think that's what the kickback is, is like they're, they're still trying to make their money because the bubble makes all the sense in the world. Yeah. I I, I don't know how they – I don't know how this is going to gonna, – gonna because it doesn't make sense to have to keep starting and stopping, starting and stopping. Oh, we, we got to this weekend. Oh, we had to shut down this last weekend. Oh, Pitts, we just saw. I just saw today Pittsburgh and Duke. I think after that they shut their game down for tomorrow. It, it just doesn't make sense to keep having to do that when you can make this simple and just say, okay, everybody go home. January, we'll figure out this tournament thing. We'll lock down the hotels. It ain't like a lot of people are going to hotels right now anyway. So let's go ahead. Uh, lock down some hotels, set up some bubble scenarios, and let the kids play that way. Because you got stuff like last week with Notre Dame scheduled Bellerman on month. They made this. They scheduled the game on Monday and played on Wednesday. And then and you, and you still this week, Kentucky was trying to schedule a game with some. They was trying to get Bellerman to play this week, and then I think it fell through. And they're trying to get games in. It's like it's crazy to think that you know major sport like college basketball that like dudes is just calling each other up and like hey you want to play and they play well, I mean, game in the I mean game. Jeff Walls U of L women's basketball coach has literally had games canceled and has gone on Twitter saying hey we don't have a game does anybody want to play DM me I mean that's legitimately happening and so well, it's like it's like tender for games. Wow. <laughs> It's, it's it's just it's just weird. It, it just yeah. feels like they need to get a better grasp on it before, and like it's like it's this lawlessness. It feels like right now. Yeah. Well, the other thing is, is you know, basketball there are more games um, than football, and so right. you know that's the one thing. It may seem like there's a lot of uh, cancellation. Well, there are more games. Right. <laughs> so when you cancel maybe you know once a week uh, due to COVID. 
then you know you may you may cancel you know half of your games. Mm-hmm. But in football, you know you're able to move those games around, or they just you know cancel them all together in a set set amount of time. Um, and then you know it's the same thing in football. You know they're BYU, Coastal Carolina. Yeah, <laughs> you know yeah. What I mean? there, yeah. there's you know there's legitimate games that were canceled, and then they went and actually found a game in the same week. And that's football. Uh, basketball, it's a lot easier to do. I'm not right. saying it's not, it's not hard to prepare for a team uh, in basketball, but it's a lot easier to prepare for a team on short notice than it is football. And so I just think, you know, it's something that they'll continue to navigate through um, until, you know, they can get to a certain point. And, you know, if it gets to a point where they're canceling more games and they're definitely, I'm sure, start to think about, you know, another scenario or situation to be able to, you know, make sure guys, teams, or coaches, everyone is being safe uh, during the process. I got to bring this up because you guys bring up some really interesting points here. So I got to bring this up. This is going to be a little controversial. How much do you blame the NCAA for not taking the lead in setting a, a – a uniform standard for all leagues to follow, because that's because if you're not if, if the NCAA is not going to do that part, then what part are you doing? Like, what do you? What's the purpose? That that's that seems like the main thing you should be doing. You going for basketball? Yeah. Well, I mean, they did the same thing for football. Right. That's true. Uh, they didn't set. They they allowed the conferences to come up with their own set of rules in a sense. Um, and I think it's the same format they've given to, you know, basketball. Um, and so I think they didn't want to, you know, put a blanket uh, blanket rules over everyone and kind of uh, cap or hamstring, you know, people who wanted to have some flexibility uh, due to their their area because every area is different. Um, and so I think they just made it to where it was flexible. Um, you know, commissioners can come up with their own rules within their conference. Um, and that way they can navigate their way through if they need to uh, be able to navigate in the conference office. So I can understand why the NCAA really didn't want to come out and say, well, this is the, you know, this is the rules that we're going to go by. Everyone's going to go by. And this is not a one-size-fit-all type of scenario um, as we've seen with football. Um, it's definitely not going to be the same with basketball because every conference may do something different to be able to help with their situation uh, within their conference. So I don't I don't blame them. Um, I just think they're, they were thinking, you know, to, to make it flexible for everyone. It's kind of a microcosm of of the of the nation as a whole. I mean, the U.S. government they they couldn't put just you know a blanket over everybody. Each state you know came up with their own um, protocols and rules and regulations on how everything went. So I mean, it's kind of like what we're dealing with with the rest of the <laughs> rest of the country in a nutshell. Very true. Very true. Um, your best guess, gentlemen. Yes or no? We'll finish this college basketball season. I, I think we will. Um, now, it may, may not look like the way that we, we set it out from the beginning. Right. But I think they'll find a way to, uh, you know, finish the season, even if it's uh, having to cut the number of games uh, down to get to, you know, a tournament. And it may, not, it, may, it may not even come down to a tournament, you know, per se. They may just go with conference play um, and then – you know, go from there as opposed to having a big tournament um, like they normally do after the season. Um, I really think that that's the way it should be anyway, um, personally. Even though the ACC tournament, Big Ten tournament, all those things are great experiences, but, you know, sometimes the best teams don't always come out on top in those tournaments. Right. And you end up not with your best teams, you know, playing, you know, with high seeds in the uh, tournament. And so I just think it's 
especially if you're a mid-major. Mm-hmm. Um, and you only you only have one bid. Right. And you get your best team that could possibly make it get upset in the tournament, and now they're sitting at home. Um, and they don't have a chance to, you know, represent your – and I'm not saying that the team that won it, you know, didn't deserve it. I'm just saying that you're, you're kind of double down, you know, on the season. Um, so I, I would, I would say they would probably come up with some form of, um, they'll reschedule or they'll find a way to, to, to make this thing work. Make it work. Okay. Yeah, they're not. They say they're they're not they're not going to cancel the tournament two years in a row. It's too much money on the table. They're going to come up with some some form of fashion, some kind of fix. I already heard that they're talking about just uh, playing the whole tournament in Indianapolis and having it being a bubble there. Right. And so, which I mean, kids, if if you've been to Indianapolis, you know you can walk around downtown Indianapolis and never go outside. Right. And so I mean, that's the perfect place for it if they were going to do it. But I think they're definitely going to play it. Okay. Uh, I got to I got to end the, the uh, on this note here because I think this is a great place to 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 end us and and dare I say, believing the ACC had this one. We've been saying all along that it feels like everybody should come back, and minus two quarterbacks, it looks like everybody's coming back. Um, Chase Bryce is 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 coming back, but he's just not coming back to. Uh, coming back to Duke, he's going to Appalachian State, which is probably better for any path. If he has any pro path at all, that's probably a better path for him, uh, which is weird to say, but it's the truth. Uh, and then, of course, Trevor Lawrence is going to probably opt out and go uh, to the NFL. But other than that, everybody's coming back with the announcement of De'Aaron King, which uh, I believe I had that one. <laughs> Um, what do you guys think about everybody pretty much coming back for another year? I think it's going to make for an exciting conference next year. You have have a lot of experienced quarterbacks back there, and you know, you know how football is. The better the quarterback is, the better the uh, machine moves. And so, yeah. I think you're going to have a much better conference, much more competitive conference next year. Okay, all right, I agree with that. Um, you know, that's one of the reasons why when teams miss on the quarterback, uh, <laughs> you know, it, it sets you back. And um, and so being able to have experienced quarterbacks coming back, especially that know the system, and with this year being a redo year uh, where everyone, you know, gets, a, gets another year, um, I, I didn't see why, you know, anyone would want to leave anyway. Right. Right. They didn't have a high, you know, NFL grade. Um, and so I just think that was uh, very wise for all the quarterbacks that chose to come back uh, to be able to help their stock um, moving forward uh, next year. Um, so I'm happy for Derek. Um, I think he's he's excited um, as well because now he more than likely have an offseason be able to even delve delve even deeper into the playbook. Um, he's been there for a year, and uh, now there's a given opportunity to kind of continue to progress as a quarterback. I don't know what they're going to have, uh, you know, as a defense uh, with some of their guys. I'm sure some of their top guys are going to be leaving to go pro. Uh, but I know when you have a quarterback, you can kind of, navigate your way through some of the inexperience. But I don't know. Um, I just hope Florida State, I hope our quarterback can. <laughs> I know we got some guys, Mackenzie Milton. Who? I was going to say, Jordan's staying, though, right? Yes, he's staying. Okay. And Chubba's staying, too, right? Who? Uh, Purdy. I guess. Man, you, <laughs> you don't have to be like that. You don't have to. You don't I'm, have to. I'm just saying, man. You you never know, <laughs> right? You never know. But right? you didn't say you didn't say it like you wanted him to stay, Charlie. That's what I'm talking about. No, he he's. I think he's going to be a very good football player. Um, but in this day and age, guys, they're just not patient. That's like, true. Just being honest, you know. Yeah. Especially if they feel like they can play somewhere else and or play. 
they're they're jumping ship. I mean, yeah. you know, the quarterbacks. <laughs> well, and then the, and then the other side of that is, if ever there was a year to jump ship, and and you know you're not going to get a penalty, this is the year. So I mean. Purdy ended up at Florida State because because he you know he had originally committed to Louisville. He ended up at Florida State because he knew he wasn't going to start over Mikael, Malik Cunningham. Right, and, and, and like, it's so funny that both Florida State uh, quarterbacks had Louisville ties because you know Jordan started at Louisville, and right. so <laughs> so we, and Louisville fans don't forget because when Purdy came in that game, they were booing him with all five thousand people who were there <laughs> booing him. <laughs> I think he's going to be a good football player uh, when it's all said and done. But right now he's young. And like I said, sometimes it's better to, I mean, I can't speak for other guys, but they, they want to go and play um, and do whatever they need to do. But I think it's best sometimes just wait your time. You know, Matt, right. Jones, Matt Jones is a prime example of that. Um, they're always, you know, great examples of guys just waiting their time and then having a having a great one year, two years, or whatever the case may be, um, as opposed to, you know, having starting as a freshman, going through the ups and downs as a freshman, get beat up, confidence and all those types of things. And then next thing you know, you're trying to figure out if you're going, can you play the game? You know, all these things, you get beat up. And so sometimes it's just good to wait, but everyone has a different story. And I just hope these guys who are, who are not, who are not patient and decide to move on to a different situation, understand and know that competitions everywhere. Hey, yeah, boy. I mean, you, you think about it, two of the best quarterbacks in the country, Mac Jones and, and Trask at Florida were both guys who waited their turn before they went out there. Trask didn't even start in high school, right? And so, I mean, they, they just they waited their turns. Well, speaking of those two gentlemen, uh, we do have a Heisman Trophy winner on this show, <laughs> and I, I have to ask him: Did you like the finalists? Were you pleased with the Final Four list? Uh, yes, I was pleased with it because three of them was on my list. We're on the list, okay? <laughs> okay. Right. Well, I'll just leave it at that. Okay. Um, but I was grateful to see uh, three of those guys on the on the list. Okay. Uh, we won't ask you right now who, who the fourth was. I'll reveal after. Right, right after. after. No, he's got on his Heisman shirt today, too. So now, <laughs> how, are they, how are they handling it? Is that going down this Saturday? I know. It's Virtually? January 5th. Oh, it's January 5th. Okay, so next week. Okay. It's so next, next Tuesday. It's a virtual deal. Oh, doing yeah. it on a Tuesday? That's weird. That is weird. So we'll, <laughs> well, this is perfect because this is our last show for the year. So we'll come back the day before on the 4th and get your uh, your thoughts. Not your prediction. I won't I won't hold you to a prediction. I don't want that going viral or anything. But, but, uh, I said I appreciate it. Okay. <laughs> Charlie Ward tips his head. No, we won't do that. <laughs> we won't, we won't do that. Uh, also, I want to uh, highlight my my broadcast partner here. Uh, did y'all were you aware, Kendrick, that there is a Charlie Ward story on the ACC Network? Oh, I is. was not aware, but I'm not surprised. I mean, how could there not be? <laughs> I, was, I was just made aware of this uh, last night, as a matter of fact. And I was going, I was going to mess with my broadcast partner here and say, why didn't you tell me uh, that the Charlie Ward story? Uh, was on the was on the uh, the network there. Oh, there you go. <laughs> oh yes, I know about that one. <laughs> well, I, hope so. I hope you would <laughs> let them do a story. <laughs> Are you excited, Charlie, to be immortalized on the network? Well, you know, I I am. Um, I, I sat and watched. And I'm still like in awe that that was me on this. You know, most times when you sit and watch stories, you're watching other people. And, and it was <laughs> they're doing a story on you, um, you know, an ACC network. You know, like it was just, I don't say weird, but it was just uh, different. Uh, yeah. Grateful uh, for it. 
uh, to be able to see it while I'm living. Uh, because most times, you know, they do, they may do stories when, when you're dead and gone. Right, right, right. <laughs> so I'm grateful that I was able to see my, uh, see the story uh, that they put, put out there. And that was just, um, I don't know, it was, I was just grateful. And you get to tell the kids, see, I told you I was a bad man. I was a bad man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, that's different. That's different for me. You know, but the kids, my kids already know. Um, <laughs> Home of brag. brag. I love it. I love it. They, they know. They know. Lloyd, they know. Yeah. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Well, Charlie, I was telling Lloyd last week. I've got actually, I we actually have met in person before, and I know you don't remember. It was back. You were still a Nick, oh. and Alan Houston was your teammate. And mm-hmm. Alan Houston had his golf scramble here oh, at yeah. Shadow Golf Course. And yeah. I've got a picture with I've got a picture with me and you. Okay. But I, that was like what ninety seven, ninety eight, somewhere in there. <laughs> I thought we're coming down to that. Yeah, and I, I've got a picture back in back in my uh, an old photo album. I just I saw it the other week, and I was like, "Hey, me and Charlie, right there." <laughs> I'm, I'm just glad that believing the ACC can bring you two to back together in a twenty something years later. And if the network would have known that we had the ability to do this, they would have added this to the show. Oh yeah, they clearly would have had my picture with John and Charlie Wood and Johnny Dalcourt. It would have been a nice way to tie it all together at the end, but they didn't. They didn't call. I may have been busy when they call. I don't know. I mean, <laughs> life comes full circle. It's a beautiful day. It's a beautiful day. Well, Charlie, this has been a joy, man, to start this with you. I can't wait to take it into 2021 and see where uh, all of this goes. And Kenny, you know, we've been rocking forever and a day, so it's mm-hmm. all beautiful to have you around and keep you around and all that stuff looking forward to seeing where all this goes in 2021 which is weird to say that we're headed to 2021 that's just still right. strange to me um but you guys got any final thoughts as we head off into the uh sunset going into the new year well, as the new year as we began the new year um we definitely look forward to everyone hopefully staying safe uh, during this time, um, and that we will be able to uh, continue to progress um, in, you know, our seasons, um, being being with our families, uh, but more importantly, enjoying the time that we have each and every day because you never know. Yeah. Last day is going to be. Right. I I echo what Charlie says, especially being safe. Everybody has to be safe. Don't let your guard down just because there's vaccines out there. You still need to take your precautions and continue to progress and continue to just be thankful for what you have and not stress about what you don't have because any day it all can be taken away. So be just be grateful for what you have. I, I am hoping for we, that we will stay safe. I'm hoping that we will continue to find ways to live uh, through this experience and to continue to celebrate our normalities, which which we I think if nothing else, we've learned that maybe we took a little bit of those for granted, and we need to value them a lot more than we did. Uh, I know I certainly value them more than I did prior to 2020, and uh, I'm hoping that we can get back to some of that uh, in 2021. But uh, again, this has been an honor and a privilege to be here with you, gentlemen, and uh, man. Let's keep it going into the new year. Uh, to all of our listeners and watchers that we've gained in the last few months, we appreciate each and every one of you. And uh, we will see you over on the other side in 2021. Until then, have a great, great uh, holiday season. Continue to have a great holiday season. And uh, we'll catch up with you. You have been listening to Believe in the ACC with Charlie Ward and Lloyd Spence. You can tune in every Tuesday and Thursday on the Believe Podcast Network, Spotify, iTunes, and everywhere podcasts can be heard. You can also watch Charlie and Lloyd on Facebook, 
on the Noisemakers page and on YouTube on the Noise Media YouTube channel. Please like, subscribe, and follow on all our platforms. And we will keep taking you inside the ACC. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.